Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblo Escapes and Destruction. This is the first episode of 2023, and I'm delighted to welcome to it uh, Richard and Michaela Simpson. Good evening, Richard. Good evening, Michaela. How are you both? Good evening. Well, thank you. Very good. Thank you for uh, giving me up your time. Hope you've had a good New Year and a good Christmas. Uh, certainly, the weather up here has been dreadful. I'm sure it's probably been just as bad down in the north uh, northeast of England, which is where you're based. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about two of your zines, uh, vestiges and Matini Matani probably pronounce them wrong. Um, but before we get into talking about that, it would be great if you could both give us an introduction to your photographic journey and backgrounds. I've been nominated to go first, so uh, I'm Richard. <laughs> um, I started photography. My dad introduced me when I was a young teenager. You know, we had a dark room at home, and then yep. I did quite a bit of photography at university. And then subsequently, when I had a straight job for a few years, I did fairly hardcore documentary stuff um, funded by people like Northern Arts Kentmere when they were – we. I lived in the late district then – um, so I did stuff about hound trailing. That was a touring show. I spent a year doing that kind of pretty much in the kind of Chris Killip tradition of kind yeah. of embedding yourself, in my case, with the family and then the hound trailing community. And I did all sorts of things over the years. But then I had a career change, became a journalist and subsequently filmmaker and author. And so I was doing photographic projects kind of on the side, uh, Things like I did a big show about the Bings of West Lothian. Um, yeah. And I've done lots of work since then of various sort of projects. And that's pretty much what I've done the whole time. I could never make a living doing it. I kind of started in photography right at the end of the time when people could. Yeah. Um, I al almost went after I'd done a postgraduate degree, I almost went to teach as an art school, and so I would have taught with quite a few of those <laughs> people, all of whom ended up, you know, well, in Chris Killip's case, going and working in the States for 25 years and, you know, yeah. barely using a camera anymore. So anyway, the, um, but I've been able, since the um, pandemic and I had a period of illness, I've been able to come back to photography, and so that's kind of all I do now. Very good. Lucky you. And yourself, Michaela? I did a marketing job, straight marketing job for quite a long time. Um, in the late, sorry, the mid-2000s, I worked for a media company in Aberdeen and had always been interested in photography, but got more interested then. I did an evening class on black and white film developing at Aberdeen College, as they were, I'm not sure if they still exist. Um, just at the time when digital was becoming affordable, yeah, that's when I met I met Richard. Um, we he actually lent me his 350D. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those? Um, and I was hooked, absolutely hooked. Um, like most people who do photography, people see your work, they like it they ask you to do shoots for them that kind of gained its own momentum um i started doing commercial work and wedding work um, i did i was a full-time commercial and wedding photographer for about eight years um weddings broke me um 
You couldn't you couldn't pay me any sum of money to do a wedding. <laughs> Indeed. Well, it was the only way I could really make a living as such yeah. um, to justify doing it. Um, it's the only type of photography in the UK, apart from you know businesses, and even then they never have seemed to have any proper budget. Um, doing weddings was the only way that I could see justify doing it full time. Yeah. But I still actually did a couple of days a week marketing consultancy as a, you know, to fill in the gaps of, of the year. Weddings, um, it's not really about photography, it's herding cats, really. <laughs> so I I did my last wedding about six years ago, yeah. about six years ago, and it was actually a very good friend of mine. I did his wedding and that was the last. Um, so since then, really, have just done photography for my own Benefit. satisfaction. Yeah. Um, doing lots of different things now. I've done botanical work, seascapes, and I do portraits. I'm working on a portrait project at the moment. Um, one of my, and we'll talk about this in the book choices later, but one of my um, favourite photographers is Jane Bone. Right. I love her portrait work. So I'm doing a black and white portrait project at the moment using the same equipment that she did om1s a 50 mil and an 85 mil lens that she used with kodak triax and doing the portraits in a very sort of limited time frame mm-hmm. um which i'm really really enjoying um leading to i can't tell you too much about it but hopefully there will be an exhibition yeah, in the good. newcastle area next year of the work so that's kind of where I am at the moment. Excellent. So certainly very different backgrounds and very different journeys to where you are today. And it, it's quite interesting because Absolutely. most 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 people I, I speak to, most people I know, uh, generally speaking, it's, it's maybe one person or the other is the photographer or the very keen photographer in the in the in the family whereas for yourselves obviously it's both so do you do you both go out to photograph similar locations and do you come at it from a different perspective and and where do the interest kind of uh, interest kind of lie in that um it's something richard and i are we've been together a long time and, and photography you know we met because of photography we're very different people. We've got very different personalities, and our photography—you know—you can see that in our photography that our work is very, very mm. different. We had the trip of a lifetime in August, September this year. We went to the Western Isles, um, starting going north to south, ending up in South Uist, and going to Eriskay. We had the most fantastic holiday, didn't we? And it was just wonderful because we could just immerse ourselves in it, enjoy it, but not worrying that the other, you know, we're taking up all this time enjoying our photography, thinking, you know, I need to get back because I've been out for five hours. But we go to the same locations. We go, we head off in completely different directions and photograph. Our work could not be more different. And when I send you the pictures, um, you, I can demonstrate that yeah. to you. Excellent. Would you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it is. It is obviously very convenient for a yes. couple to both be doing the same thing, whether it's you know kind of golf or fishing or 
yeah. or photography because yeah. photography kind of you know out in the world tends to take a long time you know we we usually find a kind of a couple of hours so we we go somewhere sort of agreed and then head off and do different things and like anybody who makes work in photography or or anything else there are things that you keep returning to and wanting to explore themes ideas absolutely you know kind of little visual motifs whatever it is and that that you know kind of form part of your sort of hinterland i was i'm obsessed well i like uh, modernist architecture i photograph it a lot as you know quite a lot of people do and and I, rem- I saw a little clip from a film called Radio On made by Chris Pettit just before I went to university and I saw it first then. It's a, and it was made by Vim Bender's cinema photographer in black and white and it's kind of London at the end of the 70s looking gloomy and concrete. And that must have lodged in my mind. And, you know, you find yourself that, you know, so we both have all of these lived experiences that tend to, sort of come out you know come out in your in your work so you know it is just it is amusing that we do tend to go to places that seem to be one thing and yet in our work look completely different we also use very different equipment and techniques I tend to shoot in black and white and on film almost all the time at least at the moment although you know we're going out tomorrow and I will actually use some digital as well but yeah anyway it, it seems to it seems to work as a method so much recommended yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well that that's it my, my wife is the has the patience of a saint i have to say and while she'll she'll often maybe recce some locations for me so um i can't i can't complain too much to be perfectly honest so where where did the, where did the ideas for the zines come from um we have a we have a Canon Pro One printer at home, and I do the printing, yep. and Richard does the developing. That's our Agreement. that's our system. So I I because as you know, printing is a skill in itself. Yeah. Um. So I do the printing, and Richard does the developing. But we we just kind of got to the stage we have so much work between us, but we don't have it out anywhere. You know, we've got it on our website, which doesn't to be honest, doesn't get very much traffic because we don't spend the time trying to optimise our website. We both have a background in marketing and we are the (laughs) cobbler's children or whatever the phrase is. (laughs) We don't market ourselves well enough. And I said to Richard, this is a low-cost way of having a small body of work inexpensively that we can sell to people for a few pounds because uh, yep. you know everyone's budgets are tight at the moment so we Absolutely. we just thought just and it was really a very my background as you know I used to do marketing and this type of thing I used to do all the time for clients so using InDesign it's very they're very simple um zines there's no there's no complexity to them so I just thought let's do a couple and you can even see from we did two zines how different they both look absolutely there's a there's a very different feel to them there's a very different feel to the work as well about them um which obviously kind of reflects the 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 two perspectives and the the two interests that you both have in your work absolutely and and how how did you I suppose how how did you decide on what images and what your topic and what the theme was going to be about for each of your zines because yeah I I think it's a great way as you say to share your work 
Yeah, I mean, in, if I go, if I just, I have a, as a former journalist, a real kind of file and forget mentality. I like to do something, finish it, and then move on to something else and try and make little bodies of work. And one of the things that's so frustrating for all photographers who work in kind of non-commercial, you know, so-called fine art areas or reportage or documentary or whatever, any of the kind of non-mainstream media, is it's very difficult to find an audience. So, yeah, we both have websites and, you know, sell a few prints to collectors and things. But I, I don't bother doing exhibitions now because it just feels like a huge amount of work for kind of very little in terms of, audience um and quite a lot of cost so and so i do some print-on-demand books of individual projects which you know works reasonably well but those scenes seem like a really cost-effective way of getting decent quality print material out so in my case that was just kind of I'm very interested in the Japanese aesthetic issues around time passing and um so i just pulled together you know, a few recent pictures, some of which felt like they worked together as spreads. And I intend to do more periodically. You know, I'm working on a project at the moment, which is about the um, crumbling coastline of Durham because it's rather pretentiously called the last of Albion because um, you know, it feels like the UK is kind of falling apart and there's no <laughs> better visual metaphor than cliffs falling into the sea literally while yeah. you're working and bits are kind of falling down um, and it looks really dramatic so I intend to do one of those as well I, I think they're great I'd recommend them you know to everybody working in the the sort of way we are and um, anyway so that's that that's where mine came from. It wasn't especially thought, and I intend to produce kind of more of the same. Yeah. My my scene is um, named after the designer Maitani, who designed the OM one right, film camera. Okay. Yep. Um, and that body of work is um just a selection of images that I took with the own ones and my 1585mm lens and most of it's on Tri-X, I think some of it's on HP5 yeah. and just images that sat nicely together. There, there yeah. was nothing, no more to it than that. Yeah. But no, that, the thing is, it's a beautiful way, as you say, it's a very affordable and it's a great way for people to present a, a selection of images or a small body of work um, and as you yeah. say, Richard, it's what once you once you see, I think how the format works and how cost effective it is to be able to do it for other projects, and they don't need to be six to eighty image selections. Exactly. It, it can be something that's a dozen images or something like that that just sits well together as a nice body of work yeah. that doesn't take a long time to do, and you're not at financial peril to to get it produced. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I mean, I. I find that if I don't make myself stop, I just keep going kind of with things indefinitely. So I do tend to, to give myself time limits. Like I photographed a local allotment site recently uh, for a year. And the idea was to photograph the interaction between the things that kind of people leave behind, that the gardeners have, have left their tools yeah. and things, and the way that nature kind of interacts with that. And you know i'll i've made a an ebook of of that but otherwise the temptation is to just carry on and not explore new new things and you know the world's kind of full of opportunity so again i think zines work really well 
as a you know as a way of just exactly as you say just taking you know 10 20 30 images and bring those together perhaps with a little bit of text and it's completely freeform you can you know the publisher that Michele uses there are all sorts of yeah you know, the printer that Michele uses you know there are um all sorts of formats and sizes and I was really surprised at how cost effective it was and by and large although I made a bad paper choice I think you know they did a really good job with mm. the, the files that we gave them and you know so again I mean I, I recommend them to other photographers I think they're a good way of kind of having a full stop yeah. on a project if, if you like an import and that, that sometimes is is useful. Absolutely. Michaela, do you think you'll produce more zines of your work as well? Or how do you see that going? Obviously, you're working on a, on a project which might take the form of, I suppose, of a book or a zine. But... Oh, well, absolutely, I will. Once my pro project's finished, I've got lots of other ideas of things that I'd like to work on. But one of the reasons that I did do it is I've actually been in, because the the project I'm working is using old, you know, um, heritage Olympus equipment and they've taken out Olympus have taken out a new OM1 a digital OM1 and I contacted Olympus to see if they would be interested in um, collaborating with me on the project so that I could use the new yeah. OM1 in side by side you know have images side by yeah. side with the original one um, they don't want to talk to me. I've written to about <laughs> four different people and I haven't heard back. So I'm just going to park that. But yeah. yeah, that was just, it was just a reason, an inexpensive way to document some of my OM1 work. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's it. And, and as you say, it is, it's, it's something that is an affordable way to do it because people who look to do big hardback books, it's very expensive. Whereas actually, you can you can produce lovely lovely small lovely small books and lovely small zines as you have done and i think it i think it's lovely i like the combination of the black and the white backgrounds as well and just and as you say just a selection of images but nicely paired with the with the flowers side by side as well um and i and i think that i think that comes down to it's it's once you do it more and more you become more accustomed to selecting which images you th you think will work nicely together, and which ones suit and work well as a as a body of work. Mm -hmm. I don't. I think both of us are quite good at editing our work. We're quite ruthless yeah. with what we work with. I n I never delete anything, and I don't think Richard does either. We keep everything. You know, we keep all our negatives. We keep all our digital. We've got masses of hard drives. Um. So yeah, we're when you design something like that, you have to be quite um, pragmatic, don't you, as to what works and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's even more so when you're dealing with a specific theme or a specific project, because at that point there there's really a, a specific story to be told with the body of work, and you. You're as opposed to doing like a a, a collection or a collation of images from across maybe several themes or a specific camera. If you're if you're talking about specific 
top topics such as the cliffs falling down, um, you're working with that body of work, and therefore, yeah, you do. It does become yeah. a bit of a different becomes a different challenge because you're working with what you've got, and it, it can be ruthless. It's it's as I say to many people, it's the hardest part is being able to throw away your favorite photograph, which you really want to be in it, but you know it just doesn't work. For doesn't for, sit doesn't does, sit yeah. with it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't sit in the seat. Yeah. It's funny you should say that. I was listening to an interview with Armando Iannucci recently, and he was saying that when he was editing the In the Loop, the In the Loop film, um, you know, whatever it is, ten years or something ago, he said his two favourite scenes. He spent six months, you know, in the editing suite editing the the film, obviously with, with the the editor, trying to work out where to fit these two scenes, the two best scenes, and in the end, he realised he had to drop them both because yeah. the story required that and of course that that's the same but those big kind of if you almost like retrospective views in which you compare very different images together that's I think probably something different if you think of like Chris Killip take Chris Killip again if you think of the individual books like Seacole stuff for example or the stuff from Skinning Grove yeah that kind of sits together but then in flagrante is you know an amazing kind of amalgam of all of them in which they they sort of work together and that you know and that that is a really interesting thing to do and I'd certainly like to do something like that but of course it's like anything else in a creative life when are things finished you know you always you know that's the thing about photography isn't it we're we're going out tomorrow morning our kits packed and you know the best picture you've ever taken or you know the most kind of the one that expresses the idea that you have the best might be there for the taking. In my case, it probably won't, but <laughs> that that's why you go out kind of in all weathers, yeah. you know, before dawn and, you know, where, you know, to all kinds of places um, and, you know, and get working. Well, that, that's it. Well, that's... Yeah, carry on, Michaela, sorry. Sorry, on you go, Ian. No, you carry oh, on. What I was going to say is um, because Richard and I, Richard goes out on his own, Sometimes I go out on my own sometimes, but we tend to go out together. And as a female photographer, I feel I have a security. It gives me a bit of safety yep. that I can relax knowing that he's nearby. And um, I have this affliction. <laughs> <laughs> People always want to come and talk to me, especially when I'm working. And it doesn't matter where I am. It could be six in the morning, whatever. People come and talk to me. And Richard's talking about Chris Killett. We actually went to the exhibition at the Photographer's Gallery in London a few yep. weeks ago. Um, we got the timing. We were actually early before it had opened. So we were hanging about outside and Richard had kind of wandered off. And this couple started chatting to me. And um, they have relatives who Chris Killett had photographed, but they didn't think that they would be... The, the images would be in the exhibition yeah and we went you know we had a look round, and the couple came and sought us out and their their family relatives were actually in the exhibition right. so it was it was really nice wasn't yeah. it a really nice couple so yeah I have this I don't know if it happens to you when you're out photographing Ewan but everyone I comes and talks to me I try to go. I try to go to places where I'm not going to see anyone else. To be perfectly honest, and I would say I'm getting better and better at doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it's always an interesting one. Yeah, as you say, when you're out working, you you try to just 
focus on what you want to do. But as you see, as you mentioned earlier, Richard, it's like, I think for everything, a book just captures a moment in time. It's just a snapshot of the work that's done to that point. And for a lot of people, it's maybe something that allows them to bring closure on something, or it's maybe just a, the next the next stage but as you see with many things you could probably keep on going and photographing on and on and on and on and and for me that's one thing why i like the books handmade books or the small zines is the fact that you can just kind of make them and then if you decide in six months time you've got a few new images particularly with the handmade stab and stitch i can just cut the stitch and put a few yeah. new images and, and stitch it back together so it's kind of an evolving subject all all the time it allows you to print images without ending up with a big box of prints because you've got no yes. wall space to put them all on That's well yeah we were just about. talking about that today <laughs> one of the refinements that i'm kind of thinking about is is sort of trying to make the work leave it and then make something because you're talking about you know that iterative process of coming back yeah and um, and I think was it was after Eggleston died, there were thousands and thousands of undeveloped rolls of film because he didn't even develop film for months yeah. after he'd taken the, the picture so that he didn't become attached to one image and he'd, he'd see them afresh. Yeah. And, and it is amazing how true that is about all of our work. I, my hand training work, you know, I worked really hard on it, like 1990 and 91. Um, I I went back and re-scanned all of those images like a few years ago uh, when I was kind of having to put stuff online and you know, so on. And the best picture that I took in that year, I hadn't even seen until I was, you know, re-scanning those negatives. And it's easily the best picture. It's easily the most interesting. And, you know, it's just got everything I like in a picture and it's the best I can do. You know, it has a, you know, it's just, it's got it's kind of funny and it's got nature and man-made things which is one of my kind of real it's got an austin princess in it you know which is obviously <laughs> one of the great british cars of the <laughs> 1980s strangely there are none left <laughs> but yeah. anyway so you know so i i think you know that that's true about you know things like zines being a great way of kind of giving closure to projects but i think I'm going to try and kind of leave things for a while before I before I do that, and I do think that will I do think that that will help um, in kind yeah. of that distance and almost forgetting them. I mean, I wrote crime novels for I don't know ten years or, or something, and um, I can't remember the plot of any of them, not a single one. I can't remember a single thing that happens in any one of them at all. I mean, it's like, you know, I haven't even read them, let alone written them. And yeah. I think we're a bit like that with the photographs because they're so ubiquitous and we make so many. You know, even e even shooting film mainly, as I do, rather than digital, you still have, you know, files and files and files and you have that urge to, like, you know, the way that, uh, well, I mean, I'm not making any, <laughs> any personal comparison, but Henry Moore, throughout his life, just sketched continuously. He'd sit of an evening and he'd be drawing those forms over and over again and there are pieces of paper with thousands and thousands and thousands of those jottings and in a way what we do is the same you know when we press the shutter on something it's often exactly the same and that process you have to do that pro you can't just have the visual idea you have to somehow yeah. work to it in strange ways it's not like a an intellectual process you know it, it just has a different kind of quality and it doesn't matter you know whether you're a person of modest talent 
or no talent like me or Henry Moore, you still have to, you know, kind of do the, you know, do the hard yards. And for us, that means we end up, like Kelly was saying, with millions and millions of photographs. And you then have to come back and maybe see things in them that you didn't before. So I'm going to try that. So sort of, if you like, a, given when we're recording this, a New Year's resolution, I'm going to try and try not be so impatient and wait a bit longer. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I can spend. I'll, I can leave photographs for years before I before I process them and do anything to them because my view, much like yourself, if you go straight away, there's an emotional connection to it. Whereas, give it a few weeks, months, or whatever, and that slowly begins to disappear, and you begin to yeah. see it just fresh with how how you maybe envisage seeing it, as opposed to you come home, put the memory card in, and all of a sudden you think. Mm, yeah, I don't particularly like that image. Whereas, actually, I think if you gave it a bit of time, you'd see it for what it for what it should be. Do you yes. think you'll ever? Do you think you'll ever collaborate on a on a book or a zine together? Well, it's something we've spoken about recently. I think that you know what we kind of started off by explaining how different yeah. our work is, but we go to a lot of the same locations regularly, and how different our work is. And I think there'd be an exhibition and a book in that. Yeah. Um, we we have enough work between us, don't we? That I think that would be a, a possibility. Yeah. Um, I'd like you... to concentrate. I'd like to concentrate on my pro my portrait project. It took a bit of hi a hiatus last year. I need to push on with it. I've got a deadline of sort of late summer, yeah. and um, an exhibition. And I would like to have a book out of it because I think the sitters. We'd all want copies of a book, um, yeah. and I think there may be a, a small market for it in the northeast of England. Yeah, yeah. yeah to do something together, yes, that is. Yeah. It's kind of in the back burner. Yeah, but it'd be interesting if you, even if you were to pick a selection of topics or a topic or a theme or something, and then see how both both of you responded to that and and how and how you how you also sequence it would you do a selection of because i've seen someone i think someone I'd, I'd seen a zine from two guys but they were based north of england somewhere but one was urban one was rural and they took whatever the topic was i can't remember off the top of my head and each responded to that and so you had, like the first part was one person's images then the second part was the other was the other guys and it worked really nicely it was a nice nice way to see how two people respond to the same thing um, and likewise in some of the other collaborations i've interviewed and spoken to they've got a set topic and how they all respond to that so i suppose it'd be very interesting to see how pick a topic, pick a theme or a subject matter of some mm -hmm. sort, how the two of you would respond to that. Um, because the connection between you two is obviously very different from just six different photographers yes. or, or three or four different photographers. I can give you an example. We go to Dungeness quite a lot. Yep. Um, I love Derek Jarman's. I'm a keen gardener and I love Derek Jarman's garden. So when we go down, um, we tend to, uh, Richard's parents live in Kent. So we, after we've seen them, we'll pop down to Dungeness and I'll spend a couple of hours wondering, because you're allowed to walk around the house and the garden. I don't yep. know if you've ever been here. No, nope, not been. quite an incredible place. Yeah. So I'll spend a couple of hours wandering around the garden, doing what I do, taking pictures of the house and the garden. It was actually... 
my three of my Dungeness pictures um, were in the Sterling Photography Prize. Did you okay. see the, I'd, I'd, the book? I'd, I'd, I've not seen the book, no. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. Cool. So three of my images from Dungeness um, were in that um, book. And Richard, had he'd actually photographed the the Civic Centre in Newcastle. Um, but when we go to Dungeness, I'll, it, Richard can explain what, what he photographed well, when we yes. go there. I, yeah, I mean, I like the new, the now defunct EDF nuclear power station. Yes, the architect, <laughs> the architecture. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I like the relationship between the lots of. I like the houses on the shingle because I like, you know, as I was saying earlier, the kind of man-made and the natural and that kind of wall between them, and lots of the houses, not actually Prospect Cottage, but lots of the houses, when you look at them, they're a really odd shape and they've got these sort of curving roofs and they're long and thin. And the reason is because they're railway carriages. In the 1930s, a load of railway carriages, I, there was, well, there's a, a narrow gauge railway called Romney Hyde and Dimchurch Railway that goes around, but anyway, there must have been like a proper railway. And they brought all these carriages down and they became houses and people have extended them and added to them. And then there's a a beautiful, well, there are two lighthouses, a modern one and a 19th century one. And you get these really beautiful juxtapositions. So, you know, I'm photographing those and Michaela's photographing the, you know, Prospect Cottage and its its surroundings. But talking about, you know, doing things together. In the case of, we both work at the coast quite a lot, like a lot of photographers. But Michaela tends to turn her camera out to sea and I tend to turn mine Inland. inland so that's uh you know that we can literally be pointing in you know literally in opposite directions and uh, yeah it it's important i think we try not to talk too much about our work to each i mean not deliberate not consciously but you don't want to be you know kind of cross-fertilizing yes. too much it's important for people to be able to explore their own ideas and you know tell their own stories Absolutely. because obviously we both have a hinterland and lives before and you know different experiences and you know visual tastes and you know so on so anyway but it, it is what yeah it is it is an interesting area yeah and another difference in us that I think you'll find interesting Yun, is that Richard doesn't really look at anyone else's work whereas I'm constantly looking at others work not not to copy just I enjoy looking at other photographers' work. Yeah. You you tend not to, do you? I'm more interested in painting probably All right. yeah. than for, yeah. than photography. I probably so I think, you know, that the main influences in sort of intellectual influences, if you like, are well, lots of things to do with the Japanese aesthetic, which I'm really interested in. And then because modernism was the area that I was interested in at university, and so particularly in literature and also in painting, that's what I've always been kind of interested in. So cubism, all kinds of abstraction, action painting, uh, you know, colour field paint, all, all the kind of uh, abstract expressionism, all of those movements, the, the, and particularly kind of British abstract arts after the war. Um, and so I, those things influence the way I think about composition and... Yep. The pictures that I make and the kind of feel that I have, and at the moment working in black and white, are, you know, it's a bit like if you talk to painters about what they do, they'll they'll talk about mark making, 
more than anything else, that physical act of making. And that's why I, one of the reasons I've sort of gone back to photography and I'm just, as Michaela alluded, where we do a lot of kind of hybrid work in that, you know, we shoot wet and then scan and then work on images digitally. We're not using wet enlargers, at least yeah. at the moment. Yes. Yeah. And it's just I just find all the things around kind of you know texture and relationship just like just more like painting really than than photography and I have lots of concerns in my own work because of the place I tend to work about think issues around poverty tourism I'm very concerned about you know getting drawn into that I think it's you know something that I would feel really uncomfortable doing and I wouldn't want anybody to think that's what I was doing. So my work tends to, you know, maybe be more in discussion with other forms than photography. Yeah. And I certainly don't look at kind of contemporary photographers working in commercial areas yeah. at, at all. Yeah. Anyway. It, I, um, that's it. I, th I think it's, I think it's, it's always very interesting because I think everyone takes influences from so many different places and, there's so there's so much access to work and so much access yeah. to, to and it's like even from doing these podcasts the the names that I have f learned of who I would never have heard of previously and yeah you don't I don't you I certainly don't go and buy their books or anything like that but it allows you to begin to explore their work and that then leads you down who they are influenced by and before you know it you've got a million tabs open on the browser and you're busy searching something from exactly. deepest darkest South America or something like that but we all have exactly. we, all, we all have things that are just naturally aesthetically pleasing to us that will always kind of ring true in the work that we produce ourselves um, and it, it's human nature that's that's the thing you you will always be maybe shooting something or composing something and something will click that that registers with something that you've seen somewhere else you're not no one's trying to copy but it's just the way we're all influenced and we all remember exactly. these things and that's why you like it because you've seen something similar before could be 10 years ago you think yeah i really like that and it's human nature i suppose but uh but yeah, as, as part of the podcast, I'm always interested in what other books that uh, that my guests uh, enjoy from their own collection. I appreciate it's only three or four photo books. Everyone says it's always difficult and that 10 would be easier. But then if I said 10, it'd be easy to get to 20 and then it'd be hard to get down to 10. <laughs> So uh, we've got to draw a line somewhere and I, I stick with three or four. So it would be great if you could uh, share. I'm happy if you want to do it turn about. If we want to start with you, Michaela, one of your one of your selections first. Um, I've written four down. Brilliant. Um, I'll, I'll start my first one. Um, I'm really interested in current affairs. And I love... Pete Souza's work. Right. He did the book on Obama, coffee yep. table book, of his sort of best or his favourite pictures of his time as the White House photographer during the Obama years. Um, some fantastic work. I'm not a documentary photographer at all in any shape, way or form. Um, his work is fantastic and it's a really good sort of... Yep. Um, you know, it just captures that time and know what Obama was about as a as a president great book great yeah. pictures excellent I'll take a look like you I'm not a documentary photographer not haven't been never will be but I do enjoy 
uh, Seven Nights documentary books as well. So um, we want to check out next one, or do you want to go with one of yours, Richard? Either or, however you want to do it. Okay, do you want me to do one? Okay, I, my first choice, and this is a recommendation to everybody, is Tony Ray Jones' A Day Off. Um, he was an amazing, amazing guy. Died at 31, tragically young. Um, he was a sort of, his father was a painter who also had, had died young. He he had this amazing career um, in commercial photography and then made this astonishing uh body of work about the British at play and it, it's just extraordinary you will have seen lots of pictures loads of them are beautifully composed and they're kind of classless there's the sort of seaside stuff but you don't get that sense that you do with Martin Parr occasionally that he's kind of well like the new Brighton book with Martin yeah. Parr you know I have some concerns about that with Tony Ray Jones you never get that sense because you've got you know, every class, there's lots of kind of posh people being, you know, sort of punting and then, you know, people at the seaside do, doing all kinds of things and British traditions, which I was really interested in. Um, but it's just a fantastic, fantastic book. And I think it's the sort of, I mean, it influenced a whole generation of photographers, not least me. And um, I almost went for, as a kind of, sorry, I'm going to sneak this one in under the wire. Um, I almost went for the Homer Sykes book called Once a Year, which is his book about kind of British traditions, like The Burry Man, for example, I made a, a film about, um, you know, in, in Queens Ferry. Uh, the guy covered in burrs walks around the town, um, in the middle of August. Anyway, um, Tony Ray Jones had a day off, just a, a high point of of British photography. It's amusing, it's beautiful, and his own story is sad but beautiful as well. And we saw that exhibition, didn't we, of his work? Some of his work was in... There was an exhibition in um, Sunderland All right, cool. a few months ago of its... Was it Seaside? Is that what it was called? Yeah, um, yeah. And some of his work was exhibited there. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I think I'll do the Paul Strand book on the Outer Hebrides. Yep. I can't speak Gaelic, so I'm not sure how you pronounce the Gaelic version. On the front cover, there's a picture of some ponies on the beach. And when we went to the Western Isles, I did a bit of research and the ponies are the Eriskay ponies. And on our sort of last few days, I went and looked for the, the ponies, got chatting as I do to one of the locals who um, 10 minutes later came back in his car and told me where three of the ponies were, just at his back garden. Fantastic. And went and spent half an hour, the most <laughs> magical half hour ever. Yeah. photographing these ponies so thanks to Paul Strand I'm sure yep. you know his work but thanks to him um yeah fantastic and we're going to go back we're, we're well we're going to go back at some point hopefully in the spring yep. I've been in touch with the Eriskay Pony Society and um they said to get in touch and um I can do some more work with them so yeah Paul Very Strand good. Excellent, good choice. Yes, yeah, so I won't be able to have I won't be able to have any Paul Strand, but I will have Chris Killip. Um, yep. And the, you know, he came from the Isle of Man. Obviously, quite a lot of attention for Chris Killip died a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, 
his work's you know fantastic the i've been making work at line mouth about kind of the the little dust debris that that is kind of washed by the tide where they used to be the sea collars you know taking the the sea collar the thing that i love so much about chris killip is he could never be accused of poverty tourism because he got so close to the communities that he photographed. So yeah. in the current show, the one that's in London and is coming north uh, later, um, there's a picture, a kind of wide view of the encampment at, um, at Linemouth, where the seacoles were. And in the caption, it says which caravan is his and which car is his. And he went and lived there. And, you know, he had an awful lot, probably got beaten up and had all kinds of trouble you know, involving himself with the community. And then later when he was in Skinning Grove, I think perhaps my favourite photograph of all is his photograph of the boy in the boat, his first time at sea after his father had been drowned fishing. And you only, and you know, I would feel unbelievably uncomfortable about that photograph if it was anything other than made, you know, with the, complete kind of knowledge and involvement of the community that he photographed. And I think, you know, for people who make documentary work, Chris Killip is just, you know, yeah. the best possible kind of example. So inf an infogranty would be the obvious choice, although it's kind of unobtainable, but there's a new book out, you know, which kind of is a retrospective that covers yeah. the exhibition. So that would be, that would be mine. Yeah, a good choice. My final choice, Ewan, is Faces by Jane Bowen. Right, okay. The creative process behind great portraits. So it's all her. Do you know her work at all? I don't know. Don't know her work. Nope. She worked for The Observer for 40 years. Yeah, long time. And she did the editorial portraits for the, you know, for the features on a Sunday. Yep. So she's photographed everyone from The Beatles to Bjork, Brilliant. to you two, she's photographed everyone. Her most famous photograph, I would say, is of Beckett. It's an absolutely amazing photograph. Um, she just worked, she never went digital. She went colour for a short while and then went back to black and white. She had a very short time frame with people, 15 minutes on average she got to capture the shots have a look at her work it is quite incredible so yeah excellent yeah i mean making making work under pressure is so interesting you know that the constraints of the things that we do people because i worked in sort of applied creative fields like yeah. journalism and that's kind of the interesting and that picture that mckenna just mentioned becky was i think taken at the stage door of the royal courts you know and he literally i think she she, she got five friends. got five friends yeah it's just amazing but my uh, third and final choice actually i will go for a painter photographer cool. um charles she she an american photographer and painter called charles sheeler um sh w-e-l-e-r uh american modernist probably the the, the best book to have. He was a fantastic painter and an extremely difficult. It's very difficult to tell kind of which came first, I must admit, I don't know. But he's associated with a painting movement called Precisionism, which is to do with um, representing the beauty of mechanical objects and 
uh, like kind of not necessarily factories internal and external, but machinery and bits of ships. And I, I love that. That's a, enormously influenced my own sort of aesthetic and so that's a good example I think of paint you know of a kind of very specific subset of 20th century painting it's had a big influence on lots of it has a very very big influence on me and I I can think of a picture I took that just looks like a very bad you know like a very bad pastiche yep. of, of Charles Sheila but anyway I think a lot of photographers would be really interested in cool. in that work and as you were saying earlier it's just so fantastic you can just you know hear a name go online look at the work and just begin to you know let it kind of wash over you and then it leads you a bit like music it leads you from one you know one person to another and you know since we're all kind of, you know, busy creating, there's no, none of us are doing anything for the first time, especially if we're working with cameras, taking photographs in the world, that's not, you know, really going to happen. But, you know, that doesn't mean to say there's no point doing it. So anyway, that's, that would be my third suggestion. Great, great third selection and a great choice, a total variety as well of, uh, of great books, which is also, which I think also shows just how widely people are influenced or how widely people enjoy the subject matter and, and yeah. the sorts mm -hmm. of subject matter. And it's interesting just to see the two different perspectives as well. So uh, yeah, certainly a few most names I've heard of, some I haven't, and some uh, that I will be going to check out. Um, but all it leaves me to say is thank you very much, Michaela and Richard, for your time this evening. It's been a pleasure chatting to you about your book, about your work, about your zines, and how that might like kind of develop in, in the future as well, now that I suppose you've, you've seen what can be done um, in terms of producing something that's affordable, that you can release your work into the world. And I think it would be fascinating to do uh, to see a collaboration between the two of you of some sort, even if it's just a, a small zine of 10 images each or something. I think it, it would be quite an interesting way just to see how that would compare. So uh, thank you very much both for your time this evening. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. It's been Thanks a pleasure. You. Absolute pleasure. Cheers.